Welcome to Life Church. We are an ex 242 community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. Good morning, all. Great to see your smiling faces. Brilliant. We're doing a series at the moment. What's the series called? Uh, sharing our faith. And this morning, uh, the topic about sharing our faith is living the life. Living the life. I don't know about you, um, I find living life, keeping the Christian aspect out of the way, difficult at times. Um, I find life can be tough. Things happen. Um, things hit our world, things hit our lives, things hit our family. And so can be difficult. You may be facing divorce, you may be facing an illness, a long-term illness, a fatal illness. You may be having marital problems. You may be having problems with children and family. And all, all these things um, are a difficulty to us in handling life. And yet this morning's topic is living the life. And that, um, in fact, the last couple of weeks in, in my own life, um, several different things have, have just come to try and knock me sideways um, and try and knock me off kilter to knock me out of my as it were, my lane in life. Paul gives an illustration of running the race. And we all have our lanes that we run in. And very often things come in our lives to want us to kick us out of our lane. I had, I had a, a, a funny experience, a sad experience last week. Uh, within 24 hours, I saw uh, an attempted suicide and a fatal suicide within 24 hours. I was coming over Banky Bridge and the police just stopped somebody from going over onto the railway tracks. And then last Thursday, going to visit my mum, just as I was going under a bridge on the motorway, a guy was climbing over the railings to jump. And I'd only just missed it. The car went under as I was coming back home. The whole motorway was shut. I don't know about you, but you hear it. We hear about suicide, especially amongst teenagers, which is so, so sad. And you hear about it, and we just brush it off. It's part of the news. But when I actually saw it and saw this guy taking his legs over the top of the barrier, ready to end his life, just shocked me. I had to stop the car and, and think about what I had just seen. And we're encouraged as believers to live the life and the race that we're in to stay in our lane. And this morning I want to try and unpack this subject in a way that will be helpful to you. And I've, I've named it to be a pacemaker. We are pacemakers. 
And we're going to read a story here, and it's in Acts chapter 8. Um, I'm just going to read the story. It's a great story, and it's something that happened to Peter. Just check this is working. Brilliant. Okay, so I'm just going to read the story through. It's only um, eight or nine verses, but I just want to read the story, and then we're just going to work through it. So as for Peter, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to, Peter, to Philip, go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, how can I, unless, unless somebody helps me? And he urged Philip to go into the carriage, sit with him and help him. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so from the beginning, from that same scripture, Philip started to share the good news. When they came up out of the water, because Philip had now baptised him, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went his way rejoicing. This is a great happening, fantastic happening. But I don't know about you, but my life does not look like that. I certainly don't get snatched away by God in the front of people's eyes and taken away. And I don't very often run alongside cars and vans and lorries and jump into the cab and talk to people. That doesn't happen in my life. Now, if it happens in yours, then show me how it's done. <laughs> but what I do want to do this morning is to help us to understand what that looks like. Very often, we look for the shepherd's experience where the angels came down and spoke to them and told them where to go and told them what to do. But these divine appointments are the exception and not the rule. Now, you may debate with me and say, well, they should be the rule. Well, for me, being a Christian over 45, 50 years, um, it's the exception for me. And very often, the, the, the divine appointment mentality blinds us to seeing the obvious. And Jesus taught this by the Good Samaritan, where there was a man that was laid, that was robbed and that was bleeding and was dying. And there was a Levite that came past and walked on the other side of the road and thought, well, that doesn't look divine. That doesn't look spectacular. I'm going to church. I'm going for my religious experience. And so off he goes and leaves the man bleeding and dying. And so then uh, the priest comes past and looks at the man and thinking, well, that doesn't look very uh, divine. That doesn't look like anything spectacular. I'll pass by on the other side of the road. I'll, I'll leave him where, where he is. And they went on to church and to sing their songs and do the, the, the spectacular things. 
And then along came a Samaritan that saw an opportunity to make a difference in somebody's life. He saw an opportunity to share the life that he had. And I believe he became an example. I believe he became a pacemaker for this man that was bleeding and dying. During lockdown, Esther and I took up, we were already cycling, but we did an awful lot more cycling. But what I got onto very, very quickly was that if I left Esther riding in front of me, she would shield me from the wind and from the <laughs> elements and made my journey a lot easier. So she became my peloton. She became my pacemaker that I just tucked right inside of her and <coughs> let her take all the elements and take all the wind and everything else. And I just stayed in her slipstream. And we need to be that pacemaker, that peloton, I believe, for people in our lives and to be a pacemaker. And so pacemaker thinking is this. This is what a pacemaker does, whether that's a small device in the chest or whether it's somebody on the running track. A pacemaker is a small device that's planted in the chest or in the abdomen to help control abnormal heart rhythms. This device uses electrical pulses to prompt the heart to beat normally. It's what a pacemaker does. And a pacemaker on a running track does exactly the same thing. That he or she will run alongside somebody and will set a pace for the one that needs help. And so that they'll stand alongside and they'll run alongside and they'll get into a stride and they'll get into a rhythm. And then the person they're helping will see that rhythm, that will see that pace and will copycat that, will mimic that. And once the pacemaker sees that their subject has got the rhythm, has got the pace, they disappear because now that person has found their own rhythm and their own pace in life. I believe as believers, that that's what we should be doing in life. As we're running our race in our lane, living the life the best we possibly can, that we come across people that need our pace, that need our rhythm, that see how we live and how we manage our finance, how we manage our family, how we manage difficulties and trials and tests in life. When we come up against real big problems, how we react with them, how we respond to them. And as people see that we've got a good rhythm and a good pace and a good way of dealing with life, we help them and we set a pace for them. A pacemaker only has interest in the person they're setting pace for, not in themselves. 
That's one attribute of a pacemaker. That I'm not interested now in my life. God is in my life. God is helping me. And as I run my race, I then become interested in other people. Like Philip, that started to run alongside this eunuch and saw that he needed help. Saw that he needed somebody to help him on his journey. A pacemaker has already achieved and accomplished pace and rhythm in their own life and are ready to deliver it into somebody else's. They're ready to share that pace with others. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 7, it says this, Join together in following, Paul says, my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model... Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. So Paul is saying, I'm a pacemaker. And as, as I'm setting a pace for other people, you watch out for those that are setting a pace too. Be a pacemaker. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says, Follow my example as I follow Christ. So as you follow Christ, as I follow Christ in my daily life, I'm allowing others to see how I'm walking and how I'm following. And I become a pacemaker for somebody else. Somebody that I rub shoulders with in life. Family member, a, a colleague, a friend, somebody in church somebody that I just bump into, that I become a pacemaker for them. Paul was a help and a strength and an informer. He was a shield. He was a coach. He was everything to people. He was sold out for people. Paul became a pacemaker for all of those around his life. And I want to encourage us this morning that we be pacemakers for those around our life. So just moving through this story. Let's stop working. There we go. Let's just move through this story then and understand what this looks like for you and I. So Philip had two messengers, I noticed in this. He had an angel and he had the Holy Spirit. There was two messengers that came into his life. Verse 26 says this. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south, down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And it's interesting that Philip was told to go, but not why. All he was told was just go down south, down the road. That's all I need. That's, that was his instruction from the angel. What does our angel then look like in day-to-day -day life? What does my angel look like in day-to-day -day life? He had an instruction to go running. What does it look like for me? For me, my angel is like my drive, my passion, my desire, my motivation, my urge, the compelling that I feel. That's that simple. I... I need, I need to go to that place. I need to do that thing. 
I have a desire to, to help people and to comfort people. People that are sad. People that are processing divorce. People who are going through terminal illness. I have a compassion. I have a, a drawing, a motivation towards those kind of people. That's your angel. That's your angel speaking to you. And when you tune into that and thinking, yeah, that's, that's where I'm being drawn to in life. They're, they're the kind of people that my heart goes out to. They're the kind of people that I feel uh, an empathy for and a sympathy for and that I want to somehow step into their world and help them. I want to encourage you guys this morning, that is your angel. And it doesn't come any more spiritual than that most of the time. And when we understand what our drive and where our empathy lies, we begin to set pace for other people. And then when we understand what our angel is and what our drive is, then we need to cultivate a radar for significant moments. Recognising significant moments, just like it did with Philip. There was a significant moment here that he knew he could step into. And the same with you, if you have a heart towards somebody who um, is feeling depressed, and that you just bump into somebody in the co-op and you're just in the queue. And you say, hey, how are you today? And then they just let everything out of them. It's a significant moment. Take that opportunity and step into their world and be a pacemaker for them. Don't batter them with the Bible. Don't give them a load of scriptures to go home with. Just be a friend and be somebody that can be a comfort in that moment. And in that opportunity. So once you know where your lane is, where your drive is, what your angel is, what your instruction is, like going down to Gaza, being with these kind of people, cultivate a radar for those significant moments. You see, when Philip got to his location, that's when he got called on. So if Philip didn't listen to the angel that told him to go down the way of Gaza on the desert road, he would not then have been in the location for the Holy Spirit to speak to him and say, this is your opportunity. So one precedes the other. So get yourself in the right location as Philip did. And once you're in the right location, you're the right area, the sphere of where you work best. Then you'll hear that voice where you can step in and help. And this is what happened to Philip. He went down the desert road and when he got there in verse 29, it says, The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. And I love this because Philip was not told to say anything. He wasn't told what to say, what to deliver, what scriptures to give. He wasn't told anything. 
all the Holy Spirit said was go alongside that person. And I like that. Because he had, he had nothing preloaded, preempted. He just went into the situation and as he went alongside the carriage, he heard the eunuch speaking aloud. And when he heard it, something within Philip leapt up and came alive. And he thought, okay, I can help here. I can help this guy because I understand the Bible. I've got some education in this and I'm going to help this guy. And that's the way it works. That we get ourselves in the right location, the right area, and then something is just dropped in our mind. And sometimes I don't know why, but I just know I need to be in this place at this time. For some reason, I'm delayed in the car, I'm delayed at work, something's happened, and you just get a sense that this is a significant moment. So we walked alongside the carriage. Maybe that's why Jesus said, don't take a script. But when you're in the situation that you find yourself in, it says the Holy Spirit will give you what you need at that very time. Because sometimes being scripted, we can end up sounding like a Jehovah's Witness or a Mormon or that we just come out with everything that we've learned. Whereas we're talking about communicating from the heart. We're talking about helping people and being moved with compassion and with empathy and with sympathy. It says in verse 30, Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? Opportunity now knocks for Philip. And he's stepping into this situation. And he realized that he can deliver here. He can help here. He was in the right place at the right time. And I can make a difference here. And God always calls us to our strengths. Not always our weaknesses. We know where our weaknesses are. Moses knew where his weakness was. He knew he couldn't speak to Pharaoh. And so they, he had to send and went with his brother. But Moses knew where his strength was. He knew that he could pick up a snake by the tail. He had no fear of that. He knew he could go and confront Pharaoh uh, and stand to him face to face. He knew where his strengths lay. And God has given us all unique strengths so like Moses you might not be an eloquent speaker but you have no fear and where it says never pick a snake up by the tail he had no problem with that at all but yet he, he couldn't speak to Pharaoh and that's the uniqueness of human beings and how God has made us all individual and you have a unique strength and a, a unique way of showing God's love to this world. Know your track, know where your place, and run well in it. And we see here that Philip then 
was invited up into the carriage. And when he was invited into the carriage, he then began to speak to the eunuch. And he began to talk about not his own needs and about himself, but he began um, with focusing on what the eunuch wanted. He wasn't bothered about what he wanted to say. He was affected by the fact that the unit needed understanding and needed help. And so he started at the point of the eunuch's need and moved into his life and took him on a journey of bringing understanding into his life. And eventually he went from where the eunuch was stuck and took him on a journey to where he understood and saw Jesus clearly. Confused, 10 minutes later, totally opened his eyes and his understanding. And it said that they stopped, they found a pool, he baptised him and completely transformed his life. Now, I'm not saying that we're all going to go out and end up in some swimming pool and be baptising everybody this week. But that's, that's the difference, though, that we can make in somebody's life. Even the fact that somebody says, I am so glad that you stopped today and you spoke to me. Yeah. Nobody has spoken to me today. Nobody has smiled at me today. And you've taken the time just to stop and notice me. And noticing people is, is such a gift. Especially in the way society is today. We are so fast-paced that people get so overlooked. Maybe that's why suicide is so high. People are just getting overlooked by government and by resources, but by other human beings. And yet we see here that Philip did not overlook this need. And he took him on a journey and answered his need. And we see right at the end in verse 39, when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again, but he went on his way Rejoicing. I think that's brilliant. And I think as pacemakers, I think as those that are here to make a difference, that we make sure that people leave in a better way than when we found them. The, the, the Good Samaritan, the story there that he... He took hold of him. He bandaged his wounds. He poured in oil and wine. He went and paid for a hotel and made sure that he got better and went back and visited that same hotel and made sure that that man got better. And it says that the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Leaving people in a better way then we found them. That's what a pacemaker does. That when that person, when that lady finished her race, 
that she felt better for having a pacemaker in her world. Somebody that set pace and rhythm, rhythm for her life. How about you and I? We're going to leave this building in 10 minutes after you've had a piece of Swiss roll and a, a coffee. And we're all just going to disperse and we're all just going to go and do our thing. But what will make the difference between this week and next week is whose lives have we touched. And by running my race well and living my life well, that I just come alongside somebody and set some rhythm and set some pace for them. Sometimes it's just a moment thing, like here. One minute Philip was there, the next minute it says that the eunuch never saw Philip for the rest of his life. Sometimes people are in our lives for a long time. I had a guy, a drug addict, that was in my life for about four years that I was coaching and spending time with weekly, trying to help him against all the voices and his mentors that were out in the world there that were telling him what he couldn't do and what he can't do and what he'll never be able to do. I was just trying to run my life, get him in my lane and say, yes, you can. God's got a plan. God's got a purpose for your life. And just spent over four years just trying to help this guy to dampen down the voices of despair that said that he couldn't and be a voice that said he could. And as we leave this building, I want to encourage you to be a pacemaker. Because you all have some, fan all of you have fantastic strengths and unique ways of sharing God. Ways that I never could. Ways that I could never dream of sharing God's love because that's the uniqueness of human, how God has made us all. And I'm encouraging you to go out, run in your lane, and as you run in your lane, somebody will come alongside your life this week. If that's your purpose, you'll find somebody. Cultivate a radar and be a help. And I tell you what, it grows you as well. Just finish with that. It grows you as well. As you grow other people, it grows you. As that pacemaker just peels off and he stops and he watches his subject go off, there's that whole sense of, look at her go. She's got it. She's running the race. She's got a great rhythm. She's got a great pace. And maybe she won the race. He didn't, he, he didn't run, uh, she didn't run the, uh, run the race. She just left her subject to run. And yet she shared in the same joy. Why? Because she helped somebody else win. Shall we help somebody else win this week? Fantastic. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarranty.com.